Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Working Class Bowhunter podcast starts in 3, 2, 1. I think I left about 4 No one honestly really cares. Steve's calling me while I'm holding <laughs> getting ready for this deer to stand up. I'm glad you took this deer out. He doesn't even drive American. <laughs> See, that deer's what's exactly what's wrong with this country, right? He doesn't even support local American-made deer-compatible vehicles. <laughs> that one that one arrow cost me $33,000. Just aiming too long and just moved a little bit and I was like oh no it fired you know crap I knew as soon as it left it was just a little high but he came right out in the field made a scrape right in the cornfield started grunting walked 30 yards made another scrape you're listening to the working class bow hunter that's right this is the podcast for Billy Joe Lunch Bucket the working man just like me and you my name's Travis T-Bone Turner from the Bone Collector thank you for tuning in Episode number 68 of the Working Class Bowhunter Podcast brought to you by The Bone Shed right there in Ottawa, Illinois. That's right, a partnership only connected via Highway 80, or Interstate 80, I should say, from 4200 MBL Drive, that's where The Bone Shed is, all the way to 1600 Buckslayer Place where this podcast is. In Sherrard, Illinois. In Sherrard, Illinois. See, that sounded way better in my head, and then I messed it up. Yeah, you got the point across. Yeah, it's it's there. But uh yeah, welcome to uh, the uh episode guys. Like we said, brought to you by the Bone Shed. Go uh check them out on Facebook. Um if you go to uh bonecollector.com, you can go to the online shop. Um It's actually the Bone I... Collector and Hardcore headquarters. It is. It's a very cool place. A lot of people don't know that. It's it's kind of it's weird where it's at, but you go in there and it's like yeah, you, 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 no, you look. It's it's in an industrial park, and you know you, there kind of. There's few places that I think that you go to in and yeah, kind of like that that you go there and you're like, you know, oh, it's behind the farm and fleet where you can <laughs> where you can get stuff. But um, yeah, they've got uh, they've got everything that you can uh, you can imagine for your bow. You know, the Hoyts Elites, um, 
you know, any kind of site you're looking for that you're going to need HHA, Spot Hogs, uh, the arrow selection. I mean, they probably have they got a, a good couple thousand arrows on hand. With uh, that, not different varieties. Not but different, the, but like they'll have the what you need. I, I, we can we can promise you that. Um, yeah, fantastic Botex up there. Yeah, check um, that place out. Um, you can go to our Facebook page and find their Facebook page. Pretty pretty easy. Um, and then we're also brought to you by Smith's Custom Meats and Deer Processing. Where if you heard the uh, episode we the last episode, which was last night, but for you hearing this, it could be whenever five you, minutes ago, right? Um, go check them out. If you're in Viola, uh, check out Smith's Custom Meats, family run. Scott is an awesome, awesome dude. Uh, you heard it yesterday. If not, check out episode 67, uh, to see what we're talking about. Um, yeah. And did, <laughs> did you want to do creative critters right yeah. there and, and, and not so sunny, not as sunny as Sherrard? Well, the cool Genesee. thing about creative critters taxidermy is that i have a deer there and steve doesn't that's one of the best things about creative critters taxidermy um so yeah that's all i could say but that's not all i'm gonna say Uh, mark rife over there is an artiste at its finest when it comes to taxidermy um check him out on facebook creative critters taxidermy um really you can look at the pictures and tell his from his fish mounts to his game head to shoulder mounts um he definitely knows what the hell he's doing and uh, it's just the best quality tax number you can buy. It's basically competition quality for everyone is what you get when you get a mount from him. So It is, and uh, we're trying to fit all this in. It would be a lot better if we could have a Badlands pack on uh, on standby. I just have not ordered a new one yet, but uh, I've been looking. I think I'm in the process of pulling the trigger on a couple. Check out BadlandsPacks.com. Oh, they're, man, they, they keep rolling out with, like, new and cool stuff, and I'm just like, I want that, I want that, I want that. Just... I do. The, I have the, uh, I don't know, really, I can't remember what it's actually called. It's I'm going to call it a cooler version of a fanny pack because it's a backpack, but it's, yeah. like, lower. I use that for my 3D shoots. That way I don't have all that weight up high pulling on my shoulders when I'm shooting. Yeah, they've got a yeah, really nice, um, for all you 3D shooters, I mean, if you if you got a hunting pack and you're kind of looking for something else, uh, Badlands has a, uh, a, a 3D hip quiver. quiver. Yeah, hip quiver. It is fantastic. It's top of the line. Like, it's top notch. Uh, Eric had one. I think he's... Buying one, yeah. They they have it in camo and black, and I think he's getting the black. It's one. got like magnetic, like quick open pockets, but it's not like it's strong magnets. You're not going to lose like your gear on the 3D trail, but so that's but, that's yeah. who we're brought to you by. <laughs> yeah, those guys. Uh, those guys help um, help us uh, bring. You know, they always have some product and knowledge and stuff that we can continue to bring you guys, and and that's all we want to do is we want to share it with you. Um, but uh, it feels yeah, we weird in here. You know why? You know why we didn't. We avoided the elephant in the room. We're 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 talking so much to cover up the fact that Eric isn't here. He's not here. Times get tough. He yeah no he um he for you guys that don't know, um he's in Eldridge, Iowa. So he's I don't know how far that is from Sherrard. It's the other side. We're in the Quad City area in Iowa, so Illinois. We're like it, like Sherrard right now is about ten fifteen miles south of. The main hub of the Quad Cities and uh, Eldridge, more, yeah. Eldridge would be about the yeah maybe not the same distance maybe about eight to ten north of the Quad north Cities. north of the Quad Cities. So so Eric makes that trip all the way down here and uh, you know the guys had uh, he's he's had he's had an interesting couple of weeks so yeah, yeah. he's just so anyway he's not here yeah. but uh, 
So yeah, it's a little awkward. I feel oh. like it's like episode one, two, and three when me and Steve awkwardly stared oh. at each other and tried to talk about hunting. Yeah, those are rough. If you want to go back and listen nope, to some, they're not out. even up. I think you can listen uh, really? to three. Yeah, I decided that we better just have a couple warm up episodes. Yeah, you know. Um, but hey, we're on episode sixty eight, so we are. And uh, and something that uh, that we try to do each and uh, each and every week and. Uh, we didn't uh, we didn't get around to it. We just uh, something got lost in the shuffle, but we didn't do our vet shout out of the week. And I apologize. So um, what I'm going to do is uh, every time I miss a week, someone just remind me and uh, I'll throw if I miss a week, which I don't want to, I'll throw 10 bucks to a veterans charity of. Will of you really do that? Choice. If you yeah. say that, you better do it. Yes, I will. So if I miss this. Any veterans charity, I will throw um, this one because we missed it. I'll, I'll probably do the Navy SEAL Foundation, um, throw some money towards those guys. Uh, Baker Levitt um, from Killcliffe, he's mm-hmm. uh, he's pretty tight with those guys, and they do some phenomenal stuff. So right. um, I got to do that. Um, but the vet shout out of the week, and, and keep in mind, we can do active duty guys. Is going to be racks and beards. You find this dude on Instagram. He's we've been in contact with him a couple times. This dude's super cool. He's down in Missouri. Just a, the nicest guy. Um, so if he, I'm, I'm sure he's listening here. Uh, did we, did we ever get his real name? Yeah, it's on there. But it's on there. Go find him. At, uh, go find him on Instagram. Racks and beards. Go show that dude some love. Um, you know. He's he's a long time listener. He is. He, he's. I think he's been there here almost since day one. So, I uh, got to give it up to that guy. All right, let's get moving on. So yeah. Today, we have um, Jared Scheffler from Whitetail Adrenaline. Mm-hmm. Um, most of you are familiar w- with Whitetail Adrenaline. He's out of Wisconsin. Um, all public land, sponsor-free hunting show. He just puts out his DVDs. It's not on TV anywhere. Um, he actually was on... This is going to be a second time on the show. He was on episode 15 when we first got this rolling, and it to this day is one of our most popular episodes. Um, but we're going to get him on the phone here. And I'll probably repeat everything I just said so he can yeah. hear it. Um, but, uh, yeah, we'll get him on the phone here, and we hope you guys enjoy the episode. I'll tell you guys what. Uh, if you want to enjoy the episode more, if you didn't listen to that or you don't know who he is, put this episode on pause no, for a don't couple listen days. To it. Listen to it and then go watch oh, you want to go? All right. All right. Well, either Come way, on. it'll be cool. What the cool. hell are you doing? Hey, man, I'm trying to show the love. All right. All so right. give us one second, and Jared Scheffler will be on. Enjoy. All right. So uh, on the line with us uh, is a uh, second-time call-in guest. We're very excited. Uh, Jared Scheffler uh, from Whitetail Adrenaline. What's going on, buddy? Oh, not a whole lot. How about you guys? Thanks for having me. Oh, no problem. The pleasure's all ours. We uh, get to sit here and talk to you while uh, while having a couple bush lattes. So, <laughs> <laughs> My fridge is dry from that brand right now. <laughs> <laughs> life's, uh, life's pretty good. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, the last time we spoke to you was about a year ago, and you had uh, your DVD was just getting ready to come out. Um, the the new one. Uh, Kurt, you... how do you say that? <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were struggling. Oh, oh, brazen, brazen resilience. No, this one must be in French or something. I can't read that. <laughs> I was watching. Steve's got the DVD in his hand. I was, <laughs> I was like, oh, this is gonna be good. Let's see. Oh, I thought... you, guys, you guys had enough. You guys had enough to drink already, or what? No, uh, <laughs> probably not enough. No, yet, no man, but... I just can't even read, man. <laughs> but, um. Yeah, though the uh, this I, I've got part one here. Um, yeah, these were just getting ready to come out, and on the la- during the last episode, during, during the last episode. So you know they're out now. Um, you know we highly suggest go pick these up. 
how was it? Uh, how was it filming these ones? Because you had a you had a pretty sweet ride in this uh, this one. It was a bit of an upgrade. Yeah, you're talking about like how was the season as far as grazing goes, or yeah. or what? Yeah, how was how was the how the season go? Yeah, it, it was a it was a good year as far as like encounters go. But uh, you know, it seemed like for years every season we just we laid down a little bit more footage and a little bit more footage, and it seemed like they were getting better and better. And then we hit the reckoning one season, and <clears throat> that really went through the roof as far as our action and everything like that. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, we had, you know, a lot of great content u- utilizing this decoy that we made and, and whatnot. So we knew going into the the season with Brazen, which was 2014, that, uh, it was going to be really tough to top that. Um, and I don't think necessarily people are always expecting you to, to top it, but we knew it, it would even be difficult to, to get really close to that. And, um, in my opinion, we didn't, we didn't, we didn't top it. I mean, some people did like that video better, um, but uh, it, it was close. If, if I mean, I think we had like 18 bucks in bow range, and I was the only one that got a shot. I mean, it seemed like all the. I mean, it was a great season as far as encounters goes, but um, it, we just struggled to get the shots and the opportunities. It seemed like the bucks. We had a few of them that came through that didn't stop and just hit the the you know the spots that we had shots they got through too fast or or you know just a lot of unfortunate situations which right. you know how we hunt on the ground like that we don't you know there's no lanes we work with what we have when we yeah, you know yeah. are there and so it isn't always perfect but it, it just was blowing my mind how many you know shooters we had in range that year and just couldn't get shots i mean we we started off the season it started off just gangbusters best opening year we've ever had uh Shay and I got a couple of um, velvet deer in uh, Wyoming, and that was the first time we ever hunted that state. And uh, I actually got the biggest one that I'd ever got at that time um, <laughs> on that hunt. So, at so, that uh, time, yeah, I like that. <laughs> yeah, I, I stole it from Shay. We got there in the first. The, we got there in the afternoon of the first day, and like we spotted the buck. I don't know. After a few hours of being there, we spotted him, and it was like, "Are you kidding me?" Like. Like, I mean, I, I, we weren't expecting that. I mean, we were expecting, you know, 120, 130 caliber with maybe 140. And, you know, that, that buck was up there. Um, probably around, I, I still haven't scored him, but he's probably around mid one seventies. Um, yeah, the deer's a giant, uh, man. I was watching that and I'm like, I can't believe they're getting on these type of deer on public ground. It's pretty amazing i think it's a it's yeah. a, that decoy uh that was one thing i i noticed like you know that was new this year and i remember just like watching it like you know you look at one side and then the other side's like the face and then there's the gopro mounted on there so you get some really really cool shots i mean i think the way that you know with with only two guys in there you know how you guys kind of utilize the the gopros in the face that i i've uh i enjoyed that quite a bit um, that, sure. that's one, one thing I'll say about that decoy. I thought that decoy is cool in the GoPro where it's mounted and just uh-huh. what footage it'll pick up. Mm-hmm. I, I thought that mm-hmm. was a super cool idea. Yeah. Yeah. No, um, we had, uh, we had been on the, that decoy thing that, that went through some different stages. We first came up with the idea in 2011 and, uh, when we were on this hunt and, uh, Unfortunately, while we were on the hunt, we couldn't track anything down. I mean, we literally 
just tried to find anything like a cardboard cutout, whatever. But where we were at, there was no stores that had anything that was going to work like on the go, on mm-hmm. the move, like we wanted it to. And so in 2012, I, uh, came up with this, uh, this decoy and, uh, had it made or whatever. And, um, we put a graphic image on it and, uh, we tried it a couple of times, but it, uh, it was unsuccessful. And then I realized when I was editing the footage, like where we were using it in this wide open country, it was getting too much shine on it. And I, I didn't realize that. I didn't realize that until I was cutting the footage, like how much glare we were getting off of that. And so that's when we put, uh, we put some real deer hide on it and, uh, you know, it's not foolproof. Um, we get it to work probably about one out of five attempts. And I think, I think we've gotten to the point now where it's probably a little bit closer to one out of three attempts, but we've kind of figured out what we can get away with the right situations to use it in and everything like that. So, um, it is definitely a cool extra little tool for us to use, but, um, it's also really, uh, satisfying, to stock a you know mature deer without it too so right, right. we we don't we don't want our videos you know all with decoy footage but it's nice to have a you know variety for sure so. well the thing about i really love that dvd in my opinion it's probably one of my favorite um bow hunting dvds probably ever i really I, I loved it and the reason why i do like it is because it motivates you to go out there and try stuff that you normally yeah. wouldn't try like i'm watching that i'm <laughs> like man, I need to get a decoy like that. You know, if I see a deer bedded out, I'm like, you know, it, it just seems so far away and untouchable with a bow. And for you, especially with like a long bow or a recurve, mm-hmm. it's like, that seems impossible. What well, you guys get down in there and you go after it. And, and w- mm-hmm. what's good about your show is you, you show your guys, it's like, okay, you guys are developing a game plan. And then you guys get in there after it and you show if, if it's unsuccessful, you show how it plays out. And I think people yeah. really relate to that. Yeah. And I think that's why you have the following you have, because when you were on our show the first time, we still have listeners that are, that message us and they're like, oh, yeah, I heard from you when you guys had Jared Scheffler on from Whitetail Adrenaline. And I just stuck listening to your show because I liked it. And so that just there showed how how many people love your guys' yeah, style and what you're doing. It's the dedication. Sure. I mean, you know, for, for me, when I, when I was watching because um, I, I borrowed these DVDs just to refresh on them and you know you go back and you watch them and you know i I watch a ton of hunting shows but there's only a select few and i think yours is the most like it makes you want to be out there it's raw uh, it's so yeah it's so raw and it it just it it makes you want to be out doing your thing i i don't know yeah for me i i it's it's i'm excited about hunting a lot but when i watch what the the whitetail adrenaline DVDs like I want to be out there and it almost makes me not want to tree stand hunt anymore. Like I understand there's probably it's probably way harder than it looks, but you know just just the fact that I don't know I I, I think it's more of like that primal thing in us that you know you want to stock. St- you know. Well, the thing is though, too, if you're only hunting 30 acres, you can't do that on your property every day yeah. either. Though. Right? Yeah, you can't do that every day. Right? <laughs> um, I will say, back when I hunted private ground, um, I've been hunting uh, on the ground. The first time I ever remember hunting on the ground was when I was 16, so that was 15 years ago. And uh, but I, but I hunted with tree stands uh, quite a bit uh, for the next 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And then in 2010 was the first year where, you know what, we said, you know what, let's scrap the decoy, or the the decoy, the tree stands, mm-hmm. excuse me. Um, let's just do a season all on the ground. You know, I love hunting on the ground. It seems like we get more aggressive like that, and it seems like we're, we get more results. Um, and even looking back when I hunted some private ground and whatnot, <clears throat> um, you know, I'd wait till you know, it was more like the rut periods or close to it before I'd get aggressive like that. Um, and our first video that we have, that's the only one that's not in all public. There is some private stuff, some of the stuff that I hunted in the past in there. And, and there was a quite a bit where we were on the ground and, but we had to wait until those time periods, you know, if we were doing that in early season and before the rut and all that, I mean, we would have bumped those deer right out. But, um, but yeah, you know, it's a different, it's a, it's a, it's a different game when you're hunting small acreage, private land versus, you know, public like this. Uh, the biggest the biggest factor in my opinion to hunting being successful hunting public ground is most public acreage isn't worth a person's time and i think right. uh you know if if you watch our first all public land season which i did grow up hunting a lot of public land so it wasn't like it wasn't like uh i had no experience hunting public land but um but our first season and our second season of hunting public we were a lot more you know passive a lot more like what you read, you know, our approach and our techniques and things was a lot more along the lines of what you read. But right. it came down to we knew that if we were going to produce a video that people wanted to pay 15 or 20 bucks for, we had to get the content. And we only had one camera. And uh, I didn't want to take footage from outside the company because, one, I'd have to go to wherever the locations were, verify that it was public land. Otherwise, we could get in a bind that way from yeah. the general public. If it ever came out, then it's a reflection on the brand. So we had to basically that forced us to, you know, really scratch our heads and, and figure out, you know, the best way that we can compile the most amount of footage in a year. And that's what led to, well, it was a couple of hunts in there and, and, and reevaluate and everything that really led to the, the ground hunting that we have today um excuse me but <laughs> when <laughs> what so, uh, got a water burp or something yeah yeah it was a little uh that yingling you know <laughs> <laughs> i i do have a beer crack yes um first one though <laughs> um anyways uh the uh the thing about it is when you're hunting public land like i was saying you know a lot of acreage isn't worth your time and and in the past when when we approached public land in our early stages, we went in with these high hopes. We looked at aerials and, and you know, we imagined how things were going to unfold and all this and that. And we did all of that before we ever qualified that piece as even being worth our time. Well, what happened, mm-hmm. the issue with that is when you go into a place that you're hunting with that type of, you know, fantasy land thinking, like it's all going to unfold like this, right. you end up spending you know, a day there, two days there, three days there, maybe go a little bit deeper, and all of a sudden you've invested four or five days. Some people invest their entire seasons, you know, hunting one particular piece. We don't go into it necessarily trying to, like, figure out the piece. We we go into it more like, um, I guess... Uh, trying to figure out where more that deer that you qualifying saw Qualifying it. Yeah. We're going into it more trying to, like, qualify it, you know, and so... Right. When you're hunting deer on the ground like that, it's constantly a game of passive-aggressive. Like, you got to move quick enough and aggressive enough to cover enough ground to get rid of that acreage that isn't worth your time, mm-hmm. but yet slow enough to, to where 
um, you know, you're not bumping deer out. And so, and, and a lot of that just comes with feel, you know, there's pieces we walk into and we start out walking literally at a walking pace until it, it, you know, we're seeing sign or maybe we bump a couple deer. Okay. Let's put the brakes on a little bit, you know, and, and, it's a lot of it's off a of feel and there's not a really a good way to it's kind to of like guess it, and check in a way yeah 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 kind of um but you know the thing about it is is uh i don't worry too much if we bump a deer um a lot of public deer are used to being bumped at some points or whatever we've had multiple occasions where we have bumped or you know gotten you know bumped deer kind of but they didn't like completely take off they they just started blowing. Mm-hmm. Um, we've had this happen with does, doe fawns. We've had this happen with younger bucks. And we, <laughs> we put the brakes on and let them sit there and blow at us. And we've had shooters move in on us to come investigate. Now, this is typically late pre-rut rut. Right. But we've determined, you know, that's just a little technique that we've learned over the last three seasons is, you know, if, they aren't, if they're blowing and not leaving, like, that's not really a threat. To, yeah. to other deer if they're blowing and taking off out of the country it is but i mean we've learned so many different little things that in the past it would have drove me up the wall like this deer won't shut up and then now it's like yeah just sit there and blow because everything within 300 yards you know knows that whatever you're blowing at isn't a threat it's probably a skunk or whatever but it's you know that you got this big buck over here 300 yards and he hears this deer that's blowing 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 <laughs> and not moving Maybe it's a doe. I should maybe come over there and check it out, you know? Yeah, that's... And that's what's happened. That's ha- that's happened on multiple occasions. In, in fact, the first time I've ever seen it happen was in 2012, and Scott shot a, a buck that uh, it was, I think, around 140. It would have been 150, but it, it broke a couple times or whatever. But, you know, it was probably 10, 15 minutes, and that, that buck moved right in, and they were blowing the whole time. It's not like they blew and then shut up, and, right. and he was coming in to prowl. So, I mean, but... You just, when you're hunting on the ground like that, you just kind of like, you take things, you just kind of interpret on the fly and, and, and right. work with it. Um, you know, we, we always, very rarely, if we get a visual on a big one, we almost always treat that visual like there's no tomorrow. Let's like, let's find a way to cut them off. Let's find a way to sneak in on them. Right. You know, and if we, if, if we, if we bust him doing it, so be it. We're going to cut our losses and move on to the next one gotcha. kind of thing. That's kind of our mentality. And you can do that a little bit more when you have the acreage to work with, like right. you do with public land. So, so when, uh, But, you know, in the old days when I played the tree stand game, I used to do, you know, I had 10-pound stands. You know, we'd get a visual on a big one, you know, play the passive card. We're going to, okay, we think he's doing this. We're going to move in tomorrow with the tree stands real quiet and mm-hmm. slip in there. And, and about one out of ten times maybe that works. You know, I mean, if whitetails were really as patternable as we want them to be, we'd all have walls full of big ones, you know, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, I mean, we figured out that we can, our odds are a lot better if we just go at them right now and try. So, when so. You, I got a question, because, you know, your videos, you, you show you guys jumping deer and deer blowing and all that stuff. When you're at, like, any of the shows where you guys have a booth and you're at the Deer Classic, do you ever have anyone come up and kind of give you crap for that? Or does, or do you never get that toward, like, negative response when it comes to that stuff no that's usually done from behind the keyboard right you know yeah oh, yeah yeah keyboard warriors yeah. <laughs> grandma's grandma's basement kind of thing you know <laughs> or mom's basement maybe i don't know it's kind of <laughs> hard to tell you anything though when i mean i don't know how much you can talk about your this last season 
But the, the season from the DVD we've been talking about, you know, you sh- shot a monster. I yeah. mean, it's mm-hmm. it's on the cover of, of the DVD, which – and another thing is different is I really like the cover. It's like a, uh, a drawing on this year's – It it's is a drawing. super yeah. cool. Did you do that yeah. or did you have someone do it for you? Well, here's the funny funny thing is I, I, I fell off from uh, – from uh, uh, Tennessee, um, he uh, sent me a message. This was probably about a month and a half before the video came out, and uh, he sent me a message. And the the picture uh, he he attached this picture in there, and I saw the picture before I read his message. And right away, I was like, "That looks kind of like the buck that I shot." Uh-huh. Well, then I read his message, and he's like, "It's like, yeah, I really like your videos, and I saw you shot this buck, and." I got uh, rained out at work one day, and I do drawings and stuff, and so I drew this up. That and, is awesome. You know, I've never talked to this guy before, and and so, uh, you know, I just thought it was super cool. So I got a hold of him and asked him if it would be okay if I, you know, if we used it on the cover. And then I, and then I, uh, I ended up. Uh, he he did one for the gun cover as well, so it kind of had a matching theme. Yeah, so, I love that. It, it's, it's awesome. You know, for for um. For a bow, like a you know a hunting DVD, it's very welcoming. I mean, you know, you look at a lot of the other um, DVDs that are out there, and you know, typical. I mean, you know, you want to show the show the product that you're getting. That goes with a lot of other DVDs that I've bought in the past. You know, you want to see what's on the cover, and you know, you'll know you enjoy. But you look at like this charcoal drawing. It, it looks like either charcoal or pencil, and. It just, it, I mean, it, it it looks like it's something different, and it actually is. So uh, the picture works out. Well, the thing about your guys' DVDs, I don't know where Steve's going because he's taking forever to get there, but. <laughs> I have to, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm walking, man. I'm passive-aggressively yeah. walking Steve to don't the move point. very fast anyway. Oh, but God, uh, no. Like, what I like about your guys' DVDs so much is I feel like when I watch it that I'm hanging out with you guys. Like, when you and Shay get to, like. <laughs> messing around like you're always you always have like snacks and you'll pull out and you're eating like a snickers bar and he turns around and he's like where'd you get that and you're like it shows you eating it why he's like sitting there and then all of a sudden a buck comes in or something crazy oh, happens oh, every time a deer blows they're like yeah you know like shay was like yeah well we were trying to get on these deer but you know they uh they smell they smell jared <laughs> and he gets all the blame for all the deer getting run away but i mean i think he yeah. killed the biggest one so you know that's kind of saying yeah. something Right, right, right. <laughs> I got lucky. I, 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 I'm on a lucky streak right now. So. <laughs> you're I, also I, the boss, though. Yeah, so. I, I, I don't know the quality of deer that you're putting down and what you're doing. I wouldn't say it's luck so much. Can you? How much can you talk about this last season? Um, last season, uh, our, we had an incredible bow year. Um, it, uh, I think that it. Overall, it's it's going to be probably our best bull video we've ever put out. Um, we got a lot of variety. We've got a canoe hunt. Um, that's been something that I've wanted to capture for quite a few years. Actually, our first video, we had some canoe canoe uh, footage, and that was a public land Wisconsin hunt. We almost got one on that hunt, but but uh, never did. And uh, so it's it's been on my list. And and finally, we uh, buddy of mine Sam and I in Minnesota. Um, and which was a new state for a bow with us. Well, I shouldn't say a new state. It's been a lot of years since I've hunted it with a bow. Um, all new stuff. We took a canoe in. It took us, uh, oh, probably two or three hours to paddle up this uh, kind of river that uh, we ended up pulling the canoe most of the way. 
<laughs> and uh, we'd never been to this piece of public. Totally went into it cold, and and um, he uh, about a, about what probably forty five minutes before dark or so, uh, this buck came in, and and he actually he missed it, um, and uh, he thought it was uh, thirty yards. It turned out to be forty. I didn't realize it was that far either. Mm-hmm. So he shot over it. And uh, we didn't have a lot of time left, and uh, we decided, well, let's let's follow this valley. We were in a valley. Let's follow this valley down a few hundred yards. So we did that, and then we cut up the ridge, and we worked the ridge, uh, the, the top third or quarter of the ridge, probably about the top quarter of the ridge, um, across. And we were just starting to get to where these cedars were, and a lot of times bucks bed and stuff like this, and there was you could tell that it was perfect terrain for that. Mm-hmm. And... and he just started to say, man, this looks like the kind of spot a big buck would. And I cut him off, and I was like right there, 50 yards down the hill. And <laughs> this buck, a uh, real nice eight-pointer, didn't know we were there yet. And uh, and uh, so he ended up, he got that buck. Um, it was actually, he put a heck of a shot on it. It was like 50 yards through the woods, and the deer knew something. Or no, the deer didn't know anything was up right then, but... I was trying to call him off the shot. I was like, I don't think this is going to be possible. And he, he had a different lane or something and he got him. So, um, but that was a canoe hunt, real cool hunt. Um, Shay got a really nice buck on a, on a hunt with a boat where we used the boat. <laughs> um, we got, uh, we got a little bit of decoy footage. Um, we've got, uh, a lot of different encounters. Shay, uh, used a boat on another hunt and I wasn't there for that hunt. That's the first hunt that I haven't been there for. First kill I've never been there for actually huh. on the videos. Um took his training wheels well, off, yeah. huh? <laughs> What's that? He said you took his training wheels off, huh? Yeah. yeah. He, uh, he, <laughs> he he wasn't doing any Iowa trunk riding. Uh there's uh, there's footage of you guys were passing public oh, yeah. land and this dude yeah. is posted on the back. I thought it was like a Mazda Miata or something like that. And this dude just hanging out and they're driving down and yeah, he's sitting right on the back with his bow ready. Just what's yeah. I think you guys call him professional uh uh professional road, road hunters. Hunter. Yeah. And professional then, road hunters, yeah. And then you guys showed that someone put it like a truck cab up on a tree stand so they could Oh yeah. I, yeah, you yeah. Guys, you guys got to check out the DVD. It's all in there. It's it, some of this stuff is just like, you know, you look at it and you look at you guys get to meet some of these dudes. Like some guy had some some rig that he fashioned up so he didn't have to stand up or like fully sit down to shoot mm. coyote. I don't know, man. You, you guys got to just <laughs> check it out. I, it's too yeah. much to explain. It's it's you just go buy it. I want to see if Jared was going to get to his buck from last season. Oh, you do. I know you don't. I wouldn't tell too much, but I just want to see what you can say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I got I got really lucky uh, last year. Uh, the reason Shane and I didn't do uh, that, the reason I wasn't on that hunt with Shay is because he didn't get drawn in Kansas, and uh, or at least where we normally hunt. And so he bought a leftover tag in a different part of the state. So we had to split up. And my buddy, uh, my buddy Chancy, who I've known for oh, probably seven years, um, and uh, we haven't really ever done a hunt together. And I mean, he's a really good big buck hunter. I mean, he's got a lot of experience and everything. And and uh, so I felt really confident going with him. And and he had drawn the tag, and uh, so we paired up for that hunt. And if I if I remember right, I'm I'm almost positive it was the first day we. Uh, we saw this big giant typical, um, 
And uh, unfortunately, he was on private with a doe. Mm-hmm. And uh, probably a mile from public, I think is what it was, somewhere somewhere like that. And and uh, we knew right away it was like a 180, maybe 190 class, typical five by five. Oh, and uh, which is a, which is a giant. I mean, Chancey said it, and Chancey is, you know, lives in Southern Iowa, has been around big giant deer all his life, and. I knew right away, like, this is no joke, you know, like, this right. deer is that caliber. And He's one of those I guys who doesn't throw around the word monster buck very often. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, like sometimes you're like, you think that's all he is, you know what I mean? Like, right, he's, right. he's not one to just throw numbers out there. So Dude, I he, knew he right was away, a monster like, fork okay. buck. <laughs> yeah, right. right. Um, so, uh, you know, we kind of – you know, I, I brought it up to him because I'd hunted out there before. I said, you know, sometime, sometime while we're here, that buck's going to end up on that piece of public. Mm-hmm. Which that piece of public um, is 160 acres of grass, real short grass, but Ooh. it's it it's really difficult because by the time you see them on it, they're probably not going to be on it very long, and so it's a really hard piece to like. Uh, by the time you see them and try to make a move, they're already off it a lot of times. Right, right. From from experience, there's nothing to really hold them there. You're right, exactly. I mean, there there really isn't. Um, and and also you got pheasant hunters, and almost every day that piece gets hit by pheasant hunters. Um, so uh, we knew it was a long shot, anyways. And then the next morning, right at sun sun up, I mean, it was still a little too dark to hardly see, but we we saw him diving back into that same private creek bottom and uh and then uh and then over the next what four or five days something like that we never seen him and we we saw a few other bucks and and we went after we we went after another like 150 caliber i think five days in uh we literally were in the vehicle for five days watching and and you know mm-hmm. scoping things out and waiting for our opportunity uh, it's really a miserable hunt that hunt is because it's so <laughs> it's so frustrating because you will see not every day you know but most days you'll see a good shooter and it's uh, oftentimes it's on private and you're not you can't do anything i mean we could go knock on some of these doors and we might get permission but that's not that's not what we're out that's not what we're doing right. um but um so anyways it was a day 5 um in fact i do very little drinking during the season and we were having such a rough hunt that it was Saturday night, and him and I decided let's go have a couple beers. Well, a couple beers led to a couple more, and and we were, you know, on the next day we weren't uh, quite uh, Johnny on the spot, I guess you'd say, right. but we <laughs> not we, quite uh, ready for the not ready to attack. Yeah, the we day. weren't quite ready for it, but th- thankfully it was about noon, and by the time we got out there and got some fresh air, I mean it felt pretty good, and we ended up we almost got this deer, but uh, so we we're. We were five days in on that, and um, and then we almost got that deer the next day, and and didn't, uh, and um, I think it was that night. It was that night, I think. I was glassing on the back edge of this public, and all of a sudden, I see these giant, typical times through the grass moving, mm-hmm. and uh, we had like a half hour light left, and right away I just was like that is a giant we got to go like you know right, i'm losing right. my mind like and, he, and chancy right at that moment had spotted like a 150 off on the other side of the road and i was like forget about that deer this one's way bigger i don't <laughs> know what he is we gotta go you know and so we get out there and we get back there towards where we seen him and he, and he there's we don't he, he's nowhere to be found 
we saw quite a few deer and we saw that back where the line was on the private a couple hundred yards we saw actually a few other bucks a couple of nice bucks uh-huh. one that we had been trying to catch on public but never did he was a really heavy deer heavy weight probably 145 50 class deer um but no sign of the giant and uh so um there we go again t- with our tails tucked now this is i think day seven man and, you have uh, you have a lot of motivation or uh you have, yeah. you, you have to have some strive but i guess it's easy when you're seeing yeah. a monster typical like this it, it, it helps it definitely helps <laughs> right but um <laughs> Yeah, I think it was the next morning then, and so where where I had seen this one was about three miles from where we had seen the big giant the first couple of days, mm-hmm. and I didn't know for sure if that was him because I didn't get a good enough look and all that. But anyways, uh, the next day we uh, were driving up this road, and out there, this is a different kind of hunt. Um, that's that's the one hunt where. We literally do not leave the vehicle until we have a visual because it's that open. I mean, there's there's like no trees, no brush. It's grass and short grass, and right. so you can pretty much look at the public, 160 acres of public, and be like, there's nothing out there. And you know, there could be like a little low, like water run cut or something that a, a buck could be in, but for the most part, you can see everything out there. So it's it's pointless to even get out of the vehicle until yeah. you spot them. And and once you do get out of the vehicle. You can imagine trying to chase a mature deer and ground that open. I mean, you're going to be crawling in the dirt, and it's it's a lot of work. Um, right, right. So both and a mentally draining hunt and also a physical hunt. Yeah, yeah. and you you have that? to have the you have to have the skills to even get in there and get you know take care of it too because you know there's a well, lot of guys. The problem is most most of the time we don't have those skills. You know, you you <laughs> see that most of the time we don't pull it off. <laughs> wait, wait, yeah, I mean you show you show the failures, which is. You know, people admire that. But the thing is, is, you're persistent enough to where you get after it. And, I mean, even looking at it this way, you you obviously got it done. And there's a lot of people out there who never would have got it done. I don't know if I would have been able to, to be honest with you. And I just don't have that experience of stalking deer like that. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, the thing about it is, is I mean, we've we've had those streaks where, you know, we've had, you know, 10 attempts without without getting one you know but right. we know that we know that that's just part of it you're going to have that and mm-hmm. and so you just you keep moving forward and so, it's uh, it's got to be even more heartbreaking because i i know i'd seen in the in the brazen resilience uh section i you guys see some monster muleys but you know yeah. it's not mule mule to you know well, don't get me wrong. You know, if our tag would have been valid, we probably would have went to them, but we didn't some, have a tag for them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there, there's some there's some slobs, but it's like you know, it's got to be heartbreaking. You know, you're trying to get on this deer, and then you just see this world class mule deer come out, and it's like, yeah, I could shoot this one, but yeah, it's. I mean, yeah, well, it's if you like don't have a tag. It, it, I mean, then you you can't do it. Yeah, I know. It just goes. Oh, Kurt says. I mean, you know, it's it's that persistence that uh, that'll end up paying yeah. off after a while. Right. Well, and like that, like that big one. Uh, yeah, what, what I kind of cut you when, off. I'm sorry. No, that's fine. No, that's that's totally what this is about. Um, <laughs> uh, we we're driving up this road, and, and it was probably an hour after sun up, and uh, we had driven up this road three times al- already. Because even though it's super open out there, these deer cover like, you know, in ten minutes they could be a mile away from where you last seen them. Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, they just exactly. they they don't a mile out there is nothing to these deer. Right. Like, seriously, 
they don't a mile is like a jog. Like I'm gonna go for a little sprint and see what's over here. Yeah, that's a, a Cameron Haynes jog. That's away. not a Steve jog. So <laughs> yeah, so we've learned like you know just because something wasn't there 20 minutes ago doesn't mean something you know and it looks like there's not gonna be anything there all day. It doesn't mean yeah that necessarily. Now the populations are pretty low, and most of the time there isn't gonna be anything there. But you just don't know. And uh, we were driving up this road for the third time that morning, and uh, all of a sudden, like 200 yards off the road, there's this giant. And uh, he's got a doe, and he was on private. He was about 700 yards from the public, that public piece that I had, I had talked about that was a mile from where we had originally seen him. Now, he was on the other side kind of now. Um, okay. But, uh, you know, I, I – Right, right away. Usually, I don't hit the brakes. If you know, if they're on public, you, you don't. In fact, you, you kind of speed up a little bit. You know, right, right. But, but uh, he was on <laughs> private, and I saw it was a big deer right away. I didn't realize it was him. I seen there was a big deer, so I came to a stop. I pulled up the binoculars, and I right away was like, "All right, we got to move. Like, let's go up the road." Because I didn't. He started running right away with the doe, and I didn't want to freak him out. Uh-huh. And uh, so we went up the road about a mile where they couldn't see us. Gave him a few minutes. Um, came back down the road, and they're about 600 yards off the road now, and still about probably six, seven hundred yards from the public. So they just went further back onto the private, kind of parallel in the public, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Which was which was actually perfect because it's like I said it's so open out there. If if he would have ran to the public, it would have been game over. Like we needed him on that private to give up for a while to give us time to get 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 in position. Yeah. On you know near, near the line fence, which is what we did. We we drove up the road all the way to the other side of the public, which was 160 acres. So um, 160 acre piece. So it was almost a mile from him. Uh, where we parked and then we we went back in and hooked around basically took the longest route that we could and uh got on a spot on the you know probably 15 yards from the fence line where there was kind of like this like it wasn't much of a water run but it was just enough and it had a little bit of taller weeds probably three foot weeds on the private side and they were kind of on the end of it Mm -hmm. and by the time we got there they were probably about four or five hundred yards from us so they they were definitely kind of already kind of like moving towards the public a little bit and uh we didn't have much for cover so this was a piece of walk-in out there so it's privately owned but the state leases it for public you know to open it up for public hunting okay and so there was an old round bale there it probably been out there 10 years there wasn't much left of it but we were able to kind of prop that up to create a little bit of concealment Mm -hmm. uh for us and and from the time we spotted them until they finally crossed it was like eight hours and they finally came across and uh the problem was his doe crossed about 50 yards out in front, which, you know, 50 yards isn't a big deal, except for I'm sitting there with a longbow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so and so uh, she crossed about 50 yards out and uh, kind of did this 90-degree circle around us, staying about 50 yards out, uh-huh. and then started to kind of, like, turn to leave. And she was she was pretty slow about it, but, but um, he was about 50 yards behind her, and he dropped into this little, like, there was a little, like, water run cut. I don't even know why he went in there. I mean, it was deep enough to hide him, but it was only a few feet wide. Like, I don't know why he would go. It would be like going into a trench. You know, I don't know why he'd do that, but he did. Uh-huh. And and right then I was like, okay, you know, I had brought the decoy with. I was like, he's not going to come close enough for me right now. I need to, like, move. I need to get, like, 10 yards out there just so when he pops out, he sees this decoy and, 
immediately like comes in to defend. Right. You know, right. Dough. Well, I reached for the decoy and like a rookie, I took my eyes off the doe and because uh, she had been facing away and looking away the whole time for a few minutes now. Not paying, had no idea we were there. Uh-huh. And I caught her out of the corner of my eye. She snapped her head up. She picked me off. Uh-huh. And I, I mean, I didn't hardly move. Like, I just reached my hand. That was it. Like, and uh, <laughs> and so now she's got us, you know, like pegged. You know, my buddy Chancey, he's in full sight. He's got the this part of this round bale as a back backdrop, so it's not like he's silhouetted, but, right, right. you know, he's got no cover in front of him. She can see me pretty easy. And uh, all of a sudden, he pops his head out of this trench, and right away is like, what the heck's going on? You know, and like 10 seconds goes by, and all of a sudden, he just trots out of that trench, coming right towards us, and he starts grunting. And then I realized, like, oh, he thinks there's another buck on the other side of this round bale that he can't see. I think he read her on, Ooh, or at least that's what oh, really? that's what I gathered out of it. So, uh, d- yeah, typ- just... typical man not listening to the woman in his life. Yeah, we get it. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So, so uh, he's on he's on course and and um, ends up, you know, he picks us off at about. 15, 15, 16, 17 yards, something like that. He picks us off, mm-hmm. and uh, and I didn't have a shot right then because I had built up a little clump of hay, uh, you know, right in front of me in case in case they got like passed or whatever. It's kind of hard to explain, but yeah. But anyways, I did have a shot, but I would have had to like pop up over the top, and then that would have sent him sprinting right away. So I had to like wait. And just as he was clearing it where I could get a shot, he starts to take off trotting, and that's when I drew and and shot and he was at like 15 yards well I didn't make a great shot I I uh kind of overlet him and I still would have been just a touch low anyways but when his leg was coming up from trotting the arrow uh hit his front front leg um and broke his front leg mm-hmm. and uh and so um anyways that uh I'll try and make a long story short but we uh we almost got him. We had about an hour and a half, two hours of light left. He got on private ground. He ran out in front of this rancher's truck like a mile away. Rancher saw he had a broken leg. We happened to be right there when it happened because oh, we had gotten out of the square to go find his track where he maybe crossed on the dirt road to try and figure out where he went and go get permission. Uh-huh. And uh, it just so, just so happened that this rancher was going in to check on his cattle, and this buck ran right out in front of his truck, and we were right there when it happened. And so... Without that, we never would have gotten permission. I'm pretty sure of it. And he talked to this neighbor that, you know, like the neighbor, the neighbor didn't doesn't let anybody on his land, pretty uh-huh. much. Period. But he was able to talk his neighbor into letting us go after his visual of the whole deal. And and so we almost got the buck later that night. And he had put on like two and a half miles by that point, but we ran out of light. With a and, uh, oh man, I can't imagine what line. you were yeah. feeling like at this point. Oh my God, I thought. Well, I thought it was over once he got onto private because I knew I had had a couple run-ins in the past, or a run-in in the past with a couple of the landowners there, which happened to be these same two, and I knew it was just it was probably over. But thankfully, they were completely different from how it was before, and uh, and they were totally cool about it. So. Um, Anyways, uh, so we didn't get him that night, and then we uh, the next morning we got permission to search the whole square again where he went into, and um, he wasn't in there. 
which was kind of shocked me. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, we spent the next, um, let's see, there's that day, and then the second day, and then the third day. Oh, no. And then we were, we were on the fourth day, and it was about noon the fourth day, and it was actually our last day that we were planning to be there. Uh-huh. And um, there's a lot of details in the middle I'll skip, but um, we uh, – we had one crick bottom. The original crick bottom, we, we were pretty sure this was the same deer had been in the first day that uh-huh. we we seen. You know, and, and we hadn't searched that yet. It looked pretty privatized. You know, there's a lot of private signs. We could see a ladder stand on the edge of the crick bottom when we glassed it. and So it just looked like a place that you wouldn't get permission. Plus, it was, you know, like over three miles or something like that away from where we had last seen him. Uh-huh. And so, and he would have had to backtrack like all the way back and beyond where I shot him. So it just kind of like, I don't know. It just, it was one of those spots where between the, it looking like we wouldn't get permission and it being so far away and, and everything, uh, we, uh, we hadn't got to it yet. And, uh, finally I tracked down who owned it and explained the whole thing and to him and, he was a hunter, him and his wife both hunted and they were cool about it. And they, I Did showed they know him pictures, you? but I, they didn't know me, no. Um, and I, I showed him pictures on the phone, and I said, you know, I'm not here to hunt any other deer. This is the only one, you know, and I don't have blood. And, and they were cool, and they said, you know, if you hit them, you should you should try and get them, you know. And right. I was like, I was like, you know, when do you hear that ever? Yeah, you, know? you never yeah. do, really. And uh, so uh, I uh, went into that creek bottom, and about 150 yards in, I jumped him. And, uh, he oh, came, wow. he busted out about five yards from me and, and, uh, he made it about two more miles before I jumped him, I think four times and he made it about two, yeah, it was two miles. He made it before I could get ahead of him and, uh, get in a spot where when he came through, I, uh, could get a shot. And, uh, so, um, yeah, and he came through it and he was, you know, on on edge, he was trotting. I had one lane, and and uh, I guess I got lucky, and the arrow landed right. So, man, that is an adventure. Leg. That's an adventure. That's I can't like, imagine the, the emotional roller coaster you went through in that span. I would be freaking out. The everything whole time. is literally hanging by a. He could be right here. Every right. single minute, man. That's uh, that's that's yeah. that's rough. And I mean, I mean, up to that fourth day, I mean, we were searching stuff that was two and a half. Uh, the furthest spot we had searched to that point was three miles out. Um, you know, and I did Google Earth. You know, I mapped. You know, afterwards I checked. You know, and it was that far. I mean, we were, man, we were uh, we were covering ground. But I mean, we had walked so much, and it's just like. You know, we, like I said, we never had blood the whole time, but it was just like, okay, all we need to do is find this deer, get him on his feet, you know, and, and we, if we got enough daylight, we should be able to figure out a way to, you know, sneak in on him or, or get ahead of him or something. So So how how big is the deer actually? Can you say? Um, official, well, I shouldn't say officially because I'm not going to put him in the books, but I did have an official score, score him, um, well, I'll probably put them in the books down the road a ways, but uh, that would, if I did it right now, everybody would know, and I, I want to keep that secret. So. Right, right. Uh, yeah, no, um, yeah, we get it. But he, but he uh, scored 197 and 78. <laughs> wow, as a typical. Yeah. yeah, yeah, well, and he didn't have that great of main beams, and his mass was kind of average, but he had times. His uh, longest time was 16 and 3 eighths. 
And, uh, yeah, so, um, that's, that's what, uh, that is insane. Is that is, I know it is. That's it really is. Insane. I'm a, I'm uh, an I mean, official measure too. We knew he was tall, but when you walk up, when we walked up to him, we, you know, he really didn't have that big a body. So we expected, you know, some ground shrinkage in there, but right. it was actually the opposite, which is pretty rare on a deer that doesn't, isn't really that big a body. Well, so. I'm an official measure and I've measured a lot of deer and I don't know if I've ever measured a deer that had 16 inch G twos. I've measured deer that have close, you know, in the 14s and 15s, but to get a deer that has over 13 inch G twos is insane. Yeah. Well, and both, both G threes were exactly 12 and seven eighths. Wow. And the uh, G four was nine and seven eighths on the one side and the other one was seven. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, he was just crazy, crazy tall, and it was really amazing that he didn't snap anything off. Yeah, you know, no out doubt. There, out in Kansas, a lot of times these bucks get pretty busted up by that time of the year because that was, uh, well, it was the it was the 18th when I put the initial shot on him. So usually by then, you know, quite a few of the bucks are busted. You know. Yeah. Oh so. yeah. Well, I mean, th- that deer I've measured a couple deer that go in like mid 170s as like a typical 10, and you can grab the top of like the G2 and the G3 and it just flexes. And you're like, how did you not break these? I don't know. You can probably do that with your deer. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, that is a story and I'm sure an experience of a lifetime and to do it with traditional equipment. You, my friend are a stud. Yeah. (laughs) I got, like I said, I got, I got, I really did get lucky. (laughs) Well, when we, we talked to you at the Iowa classic, that's the thing. That's the thing about it is so many things had to go right that were out of our control, like this buck running out in front of this ranch's truck, and right. and there's a lot of other details in there that were out of our control. So at the end of the day, there's still a part of me that you know feels you know unfulfilled or unsatisfied, and, and which is actually kind of good because you know I mean it's humbling. You know, it's oh, like yeah. you, you know that without that, it, it was over. You know, right, right. So, yeah. Well, I Kurt, Kurt was on to something, and I and I, I wanted to lead into it. I was going to say, speaking of experiences, I heard you had a great experience meeting two uh, handsome young gentlemen at the Iowa Deer Classic. Yeah. <laughs> do, do, do you remember that experience? I do. I do remember that. Was, yeah. it, was, it, was it better than killing that big deer? What's that? Was it better than killing that big deer? Would you be offended if I lied? <laughs> I, I would actually, so be careful Steve, how you answer. <laughs> Steve made that too weird for some reason, but oh, what I was getting at when we talked to you at the, at the at your booth, which by the way, it's hard to get in to talk to you at your booth, you man. You got a crowd out there all the time, but uh, you showed us kind of screenshots of that buck as he was walking in on you, and oh. I yeah. could not believe it. It yeah. It's just, I can't wait for the DVD to come yeah, out. I can't wait it, to watch it. Yeah, I mean it couldn't it couldn't it couldn't have been filmed any better. Chance he was running the camera and I mean he did an awesome job. I mean it it uh it turned out better than I ever would have imagined and I'm I'm really picky in particular guys. <laughs> so, right. So when I saw it, when I when I saw the footage I was just like, Are you kidding me? Like you nailed it. So Chancey got um, homie of the year award right there. <laughs> right, right, right. Free the, yeah, I, I mean if we do D- DVDs, he's not gonna get Golden Moose Award, but he would get a Golden Moose Award if it was on T V. <laughs> right, right. Which uh, is kind of a cool thing that you can say that. You yeah. know, you're doing this yeah. you're you're shooting this caliber of a whitetail with traditional equipment and you're just you're just selling DVDs and merchandise, which right. is it's 
it's cool. Which speaking yeah. of speaking of merch, um, you do have some of the coolest merch that's out there. Only Trump by I can only think of one other guy right yep. now, uh, John Dudley. The well, stuff you can he say puts it's out. better, but you can say I'm not saying no. I'm not saying you know what I mean. I'm not saying like the. This no. guy has cool stuff, but like in fact, in fact, years ago when I was sixteen, John Dudley gave me a tour at the Matthews plant. Really? Yeah, yeah. I, I you know, I haven't made contact. I haven't seen him since. But uh, he doesn't even know this. But twenty minutes later, I rolled a car. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, well, he was bad but, luck. Yeah, I, I just haven't <laughs> ran into him. But no, he's not bad luck. <laughs> now we had we just had him on the show probably five episodes ago, so he was he was a really good guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm like really like I I need to need to get a, a white tail adrenaline hat. Um, I'm I, I've, I'm I'm always hoping like I'm always optimistic that the the white tail adrenaline fishnet shirt will be available soon. <laughs> I'm, I'm always hoping. You'll have to talk to Shay about that. <laughs> is it is that Shay's deal? That's that's Shay's invention, yeah. Is that one shirt that you guys just switch, or do like both no, you guys have? Your own? Yeah, he he made two of them. Okay, All well, right. I like that you guys show you like you like you guys show your yeah going to Goodwill and getting stuff to mix it up to uh-huh. blend in and whatever surrounding you're hunting in. It's just it's pretty yeah. cool. Well, I mean, and the, and the thing of it is, is you know, um, it doesn't really make that big of a difference in my opinion in most cases. What it comes down to when you're hunting whitetails on the ground most of the time is uh, your movement. Right. You, know, you can have the you can have the best camouflage in the world, but if they're looking at you, you, you still mm-hmm. most of the time can't move. I mean, um, so uh, and on the flip side, you can have stuff that is not that great of looking or whatever doesn't blend in the best, and if you don't move, it uh, you know it it's your movement is, is huge. Um, don't get me wrong. Like, you know, we can get something somewhat, you know, something that's going to kind of somewhat blend in or break up our outline. I think, you know, most white sales, they, they detect you as a human by your outline more than anything. And, uh, especially, especially like your head shoulders outline, which when you're like hunting with a long ball, that's one nice thing is you can crouch low to the ground and drop your head. And sometimes they have a really hard time, like, Okay, I think you might be a human, but it might buy you the time that you need in order to to pull mm-hmm. it off. You definitely, know, and, and that here in Wyoming—that's a prime example right there. I don't think I'd ever got that deer with a compound, just the way it unfolded and everything. And what you couldn't see from the video footage, just because we were kind of caught off guard, was you know just how low to the ground we had to be and 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 everything. I, I literally was sitting on my butt with my both legs straight out in front of me leaning back because the grass was so short right there and we were kind of on the crest of this little knoll and right when he stopped to spot us and picked us off I just leaned up and shot at the same time and if I would have had to been upright like with a compound he would have picked me off while he was trotting in no problem yeah for sure pretty easy so I mean when can we expect the DVDs to come out hopefully August August, okay. August, okay. Yeah. Just in time to get you fired up for season. Yeah. In, yeah. In the meantime, uh, it, every every DVD you put out is still on the uh, on the website, correct? Correct. Yep. Okay. Which uh, is whitetailadrenaline.com? Or? Yeah. You got it. Okay. Seriously, yeah. guys, go go check out these DVDs. Are, are you going to do any uh, any streaming um, things? Are you on you know, iTunes yet? 
No, no, I, I haven't went that direction yet. Probably sometime in the next couple of years, we'll sure. probably offer offer that, but uh, but not at this at this time. We don't have anything except DVDs, state of the art, nineteen nineties, right? Here's nineties. VHS. Obviously, you guys know this, but a lot of people, you know, they might wonder why we do DVDs, and the reason we do is because we don't do any sponsorships. You know, we never have, and not to say that we won't ever, but but the only way to fund it, fund the whole production, is through actually selling the content, which keeps it, you know, no commercials, no advertisements, and a lot of people do like that. And so that's why, right? That's why it's DVDs. You know what's? Um, You're kind of the king of the underground. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what you mean by that, but like king of the like, you know, you're not you're 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 popular enough. You're if anyone that hunts, you're a household name. Like White Tail Adrenaline DVDs, I got yeah, them, uh, but absolutely. you're not on like Outdoor Channel or Sportsman's Channel. So I, I just I don't know. I call it the underground. Like you're kind of sure. you know what I mean. It's kind of like yeah, the, yeah uh, you, people listen to country music radio. But you knew Chris Stapleton when he was in Steel Drivers, and you knew he was the shit before he was actually That's on That's right. Radio. Me and Kirk had, uh, me and Kirk had that. That's half the reason why this podcast took off. But what I want to say about, like, when you're watching the Whitetail Adrenaline um, DVD, it, it's this weird feeling of, and you guys know how, how these YouTube and commercials work. It's like you're in the middle of watching something, and it's like, here comes that buck, and then all of a sudden it's like four screenshots of the buck, and it's like, purchase this, you know. Uh, but the whole time it just seems like it's about ready to cut to commercial, and you're like, I wish I could pay for the premium, but this is the premium. I kind of lost uh-huh. you in all that, I'll be honest. And I get, but... Well, you were looking at <laughs> something else. But it just seems like you get something that you, like obviously you paid for it, but it's like, you have to be a member of, or you know what I mean? Sure. Like you're getting the sure. HD quality and Steve's trying to compare you to his YouPorn account. That's I just what he's trying have, to do, right? <laughs> I do not have a YouPorn account. Okay. I keep it classy. Pornhub. Um, no, I'm just, I'm we didn't know where you were going with that, but, but uh, yeah, no, it's it, like every time you watch, watch the, uh, the videos, it just, it's like, I can't believe I'm about to see this. It, it, it I, I don't know. To me, it just feels like it's real and raw. Like yeah, it's right. real and raw. It's like, oh man, like what's next? Where's the ad at? Yeah, it's just it's super cool. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Sure. That, that's my feeling. You guys don't have to subscribe to what I'm saying, but sure. Yeah, I mean, you, you drop the DVD in and you hit play, and then you sit there, right? Yeah. <laughs> for, th- for three hours. That's how you right. do it. But hey, we yeah. we really appreciate you coming on for round two. Absolutely. Um, you know, a lot of our listeners are from the first episode that you did, and that's one of our most mm-hmm. popular episodes still to this cool. day. So, um, the following you have is is it's definitely uh, you got some loyal fans for sure. Yep, absolutely. I'm very very blessed with that. It uh, it's been a been a long long road. So. <laughs> <laughs> but, well, uh, I mean, it's, hope, it, hopefully they hey, hey, hopefully they don't leave me now. <laughs> I, I, th- I think I wouldn't even know what to do. <laughs> well, because when I stop and think about like everything that went into it, you know, I mean, most people don't know that the first five years of the business, you know, I didn't have a driver's license. I went to all these shows by myself back then, and and drove there without a license and all that. And and uh, you know, I mean, you, you you know, I think about all the steps and everything that has went into it and it's like 
<laughs> you know, just it's like, would I ever do it again? To that degree, no, right, I, I wouldn't. Right. But am I glad I did? Yeah, yeah, just once though. Right, <laughs> right, know? right. So, well, w- one thing that I think we need to do is we'll uh, we'll mail you a couple working class bow hunter stickers so you can put them on the baby get on board van. <laughs> See, yeah, there we they, go. <laughs> the number one mom or whatever they put on there. Oh, that, yeah, that is yeah. classic. Um, yeah, I think that's what Shay wrote on there, number one mom or something. I, yeah, it was like it was like number one soccer mom or something. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. But that yeah, the, you know what? I, I was just thinking that'd be like super funny to put like the stick figure family on there and just make it mm-hmm. look like a straight mommy missile. And then you're parked yeah. on public hunting, so people are either coming up there like all right, either this mom is super awesome or the husband had to borrow the vehicle. Right. You know what I mean? They're not I thinking. Think most of the time, it looks like the husband borrowed the vehicle. Yeah. <laughs> so funny. I mean, with, with as much dust that's usually caked on the thing with, with mud and everything, they, they, most people probably look at it and be like, man, their wife is going to be pissed. Oh, you know <laughs> Before we get out of here, I got to, we got to send you a picture that one of our listeners sent in. They killed this deer, and they strapped it to – I think it's a, it's probably a Mercury Sable. Yeah, um, it looks like it's super cool, man. And they they must use like Menards like tie wrap or whatever, you know. As soon as you get all that plywood or whatever, we'll we'll, yep. we'll send you a picture of that you'll you'll probably appreciate it. Yeah, send me one. But yeah, thanks again. Uh, we appreciate it, and you bet. Uh, best of luck to you with everything. We'll keep in contact, yeah, thank and you guys. Uh, we'll get back together. Stick right after the episode. But thanks, guys, for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, you know what to do. Go shoot your longbow. That's right. Go shoot your bow. Bye.